Welcome to the Virginia Hospital and Healthcare Association's Patients Come First podcast series. Episodes are available on VHHA.com and on popular podcast hosting apps, including Apple Podcasts, Amazon, Spotify, and many others. We're a member of the Public Health Podcast Network, the Virginia Audio Collective, and the Family Podcast Network. Podcast episodes also air each Saturday at noon and Sundays at 10 a.m. on 100.5 FM, 92.7 FM, and 8.20 a.m. across Central Virginia, and Wednesdays at 1 p.m. on 93.9 FM in Richmond. Please send questions, comments, feedback, or guest suggestions to pcfpodcast at vhha.com. Again, that's pcfpodcast at vhha.com. I'm your host, Will Selden, and today we're excited to be joined by Dr. Bergen Nelson, who is a pediatrician at Children's Hospital of Richmond at VCU. We'll cover her background, some of her areas of interest and research, and take a little bit of a deeper look into the subject of food insecurity as we approach the holiday season. But before all that, welcome to the show, Dr. Nelson. Thanks for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, we really appreciate you taking some time. Um, by way of background, listeners should know that you've got a little bit of an impressive educational background with you, having attended Harvard <laughs> Medical School, um, UC San Francisco for residency, and UCLA for a fellowship. But I also hear that before the medical school, you were a teacher. Um, so talk a little, a little bit about that and maybe what prompted the career switch to medicine. That's right. Yeah. So when I was an undergrad, I found myself kind of fired up about social injustice and inequality. And one of the biggest areas that I learned about was educational inequality. And so even though I was a biology and a psychology major and, and was kind of gearing up to go into medicine, I decided to um, teach in New York City. And I taught in a bilingual classroom for two years in Washington Heights. And I taught fifth grade and fourth grade, and I I loved that, and I, I really felt like I needed to help families. But I was uh, 22 years old, not that much older than my students, really, and sort of bright-eyed and um, naive, and I found that it was a really a challenge. And I, I've had several jobs now. I talk about this a lot. I've, I've been a teacher, and I've been a mom, and I've been a pediatrician, and I feel like um, parenting is maybe the hardest and most important job that I've had, but I think that being a teacher is incredibly challenging and incredibly rewarding and important. Um, it just wasn't, for me, I think it wasn't the right fit. So I went back and went to medical school, which was a breeze after being a classroom teacher, <laughs> and um, <laughs> and decided to go into pediatrics to continue that thinking about child development and, and child health and wellness in a very holistic way. And I've been lucky to be able to connect those roles in education and in healthcare in, in the work I'm doing now. And, and I will say that I had some great experiences like in San Francisco during residency. I was part of a group called Pediatric Leadership for the Underserved and worked with the San Francisco school district there. So have been trying to connect health and education ever since. Went to um, UCLA after that and, and worked with the Los Angeles Unified School District in their early childhood program. That's what kind of got me into early childhood. But again, I just I love working with educators and uh, in interdisciplinary problems to, to really support families and children. That's awesome. Well, we're certainly glad to have you as part of, of the medical community here in Virginia. I want to drill down a little yeah. bit and focus on some of your areas of interest in research, especially as it relates to our main topic today, food insecurity. Some of those areas include developmental screening, underserved communities, well child care, like you mentioned which I can't help but feel are, are fairly related. So I wonder what sort of draws you to that area of focus. I know you touched on it a little bit, but I wonder if you could expand on that a little bit more, sort of what got you going in that direction. Yeah, they are connected. You're right. And so I, my work today is really about um, primary care 
and early childhood development and how children can grow and develop and be healthy and ready for school. And we know that there's lots of factors that influence that. So developmental and behavioral concerns are certainly part of that, and that's one of the areas I got involved with. In UCLA, I worked on research related to developmental screening, but I was kind of interested in this kind of intermediate group of kids that didn't have any developmental disability, but were kind of on a downward trajectory in terms of school readiness. They seemed developmentally typical, but they weren't quite ready for school by sort of age five to six kindergarten entry. And I, I wanted to study that group. And I found that a lot of the risk factors for poor school readiness included social determinants of health, which is not surprising, but food insecurity was one of those factors that was a risk for children not being ready, both from an academic and a behavioral perspective. And so I kind of got interested in that way through my work in early childhood development. It led me to thinking about social determinants of health. And so that became kind of another avenue of research that I've done. One research project I did here in Richmond was talking to families about how we do screening for social determinants, including food insecurity. And families are, are open to talking about those things in pediatric visits if they think that it's related to child health and they think there's something that we can do to help them. That's really cool. Well, that brings us perfectly into our, our primary topic of today, which, as we mentioned at the top of the show, is food insecurity. We're recording this like early to mid-November for folks' reference who might be listening to this later on. So obviously, as we get into sort of the holiday period throughout the year, that issue begins to be top of mind for a lot of folks. Maybe to start with, I have a little bit of a, a definition for folks who may not yeah. be super aware. Food insecurity is a lack of consistent access to adequate food to enable each person in a household to lead a healthy life. And to frame this a little bit, the Federation of Virginia Food Banks indicates that Virginia has an 8% food insecurity rate, which impacts more than 700,000 people in the Commonwealth of Virginia. And the rate among children is 8.8%, or 164,000 uh, youth in Virginia. So with that context... I wonder if you could provide maybe a richer definition or, or some additional context around this issue of food insecurity and maybe describe some of the ongoing efforts at Children's Hospital of Richmond to address it or, or other programs that you know of that you think are making an impact. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think that that is um, an accurate definition, what you just said. Thanks. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you did well with your research. And there are different ways of defining it based on responses to surveys and things like that. Like the U.S. Department of Agriculture has survey questions, and those have been, you know, various numbers of items, like 10 items, 18 items, 6 items for, for surveys. And that is one way to kind of define it at national population level through surveys. But in clinic, we use one um, that's very shortened called the hunger vital sign. And it's really these two questions that include within the past 12 months, we worried whether our food would run out before we got money to buy more. And within the past 12 months, the food we bought just didn't last and we didn't have money to get more. So it's really about sort of having enough food to get through or having enough money to, to buy more. And so anybody who says that those are sometimes are always true, either one of those things is considered food insecure. So that's how what we do at, at the clinic level. And Unfortunately, here at VCU, we've, we've looked at primary care and pediatrics and have much higher than that state average. We, we've seen closer to 18 to 20 percent of our patients report having some food insecurity. And, and, you know, food insecurity is really just something that 
kind of hurts your heart. It just makes you feel so sad um, for kids and for families. And, you know, I think every parent wants to do the best they can for their kids. And when you have, when you go stress about putting food on the table and worry about them getting enough to eat or sacrifice your own meals in order to feed your children, it's just, it's just so tragic. And so I think that that's just something that has motivated me to be involved in some great efforts to really help the issue. So a couple of things we've done here, in addition to just starting to screen, is to provide resources. And so um, we've had a wonderful office at, here at VCU that's, that's collaborated with us and provided funding and a kind of a quality improvement effort to provide food boxes to food insecure families. So we screen every family when they come in for well child care. And for the past couple of years, we've been able to provide an actual box of food if a family reports that they have food insecurity and they need food today. And so that is a box of shelf-stable food items that we can provide. And it's, you know, it's not a long-term solution by any means, but it's a tangible resource that we as healthcare providers can provide to show that we really are concerned about this. And then in the last few months since we've opened the Children's Tower, we've had the great fortune of being able to have a family resource center on the first floor of our hospital and and children's pavilion. And that is a community health worker that connects families to either give them a food box and or provide them with linkages to food resources like WIC and SNAP, the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, food bank information, Um, and other kind of longer-term solutions. And so as a team, we've really tried to work together to identify the problem but provide some immediate and some sort of longer-term help for the family that we see. That's great. Thanks for sharing all that. I should point out in late October, VCU hosted a roundtable discussion with a couple different local, state, and national leaders at VCU Health Hub at 25th, which is a health education and wellness activity center in Richmond's East End, just to talk about food insecurity and, and ways to address it. Actually, the U.S. Assistant Secretary of Health, Admiral Rachel Levine, was also present. And, and the discussion, I, from what I understand, revolved around a few major obstacles to accessing healthy foods and addressing food insecurity, such as housing insecurity, transportation, the negative stigma that sometimes surrounds it. It's clear through the data, through just looking at it, that so many of these problems are intertwined, and and any solution has to be fairly holistic, in my opinion, to address a lot of the aspects of the problems that we face. So I wonder what role you think programs like the VCU Health Hub and others play in helping address these concerns on on a holistic level, or if you have any other general thoughts on sort of the interconnectedness of these problems? Yeah, there's a lot of really good questions. I mean, it's true that these problems are very interconnected. And so a family, because of an underlying issue of poverty or, you know, financial insecurity, will also have trouble accessing housing, transportation, utilities, other kinds of resources. And so it makes sense to put them all together. And we ask in our screening a a sort of holistic question that goes through five of those domains and ask if they need any assistance. And then our family resource center and community health workers provide access to whatever the family needs. And so it's nice to have that kind of holistic look. But some of my research did show kind of families 
perceptions of how acceptable it is for us to be, even be asking these questions, especially in pediatrics, because we're there to see the children. And so asking questions about the family and the family's financial security and food security, I wasn't sure how acceptable that would be. And families, we, we did a series of focus groups. Families were willing to speak to us about these issues when they felt like it affected their child's health and if they felt like there was something we could do about it to help them. And so I think food insecurity is a really important one in addition to those other things because we know absolutely that it does affect child's health in addition to being, you know, a stressful situation for the family. We know that it affects child's development and attention and school performance. And sometimes their their weight, it can go one way or the other. Sometimes children have failure to thrive or, or poor weight gain because of food insecurity. And other times children actually are suffering from overweight and obesity because of food insecurity and that they're that scarcity. So it can go either way. And we know that it's very much associated with food insecurity, which is, as you've mentioned, associated with these other things. And so if we can um, ask those questions in a sensitive way, that we appreciate that it can be a source of shame and guilt and, you know, hard feelings and stress for the family. But if we can be trusted messengers and trusted providers of help and resources, I think that's really the best kind of situation, especially if we can offer tangible resources and long-term solutions. So, um, yes, I, I love having BCU Health and the connection to the Health Hub on 25th. There's a community health worker there and benefit connections for, for members of the community. We'd like to do that here at the Children's Pavilion, other places in the, the health system. I think healthcare makes sense because all of those are social determinants and drivers of health. And also, again, because we can be trusted providers of health and resources to families. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for sharing all that information. We really appreciate you taking the time to share your experience and insight into this issue. And we also want to encourage our listeners, especially like we mentioned at the top, as we approach the colder months and the holiday season, to just look for ways to help your neighbor when you think they might be struggling. Um, there are fantastic resources across the state that do this work. So we encourage everyone to look out for those opportunities. The Virginia Federation of Food Banks, which you mentioned earlier, might be a good place to start. You can find them online at vafoodbanks.org. And yeah, we just we want to thank you, Dr. Nelson, for taking some time and sharing your insight and just reiterate that plea to, to please look out for ways to be a good neighbor. Dr. Nelson, before we let you go, um, it's tradition on this podcast to ask our guests a few sort of fun questions just to close things out. This is a heavy topic, an <laughs> important topic, but we want to finish on a little bit of a light note. So we have a list of 10 mystery questions that we can draw oh, from. Boy. So when you're ready, I know, Uh-oh. I know, gear up for it. I'm so when not you're ready. ready. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't get prepared for this one. <laughs> um, Give me two numbers from 1 to 10, if you don't mind, and then I'll read those corresponding questions. Okay. How about 5 and 7? Okay. Number 5. If you could spend the day with one person from history, living or otherwise, who would it be and why? I didn't say they were easy questions, so take your time. Oh, really hard. Man. Oh, my gosh. Um, Really hard. I think... The first person that came to mind was Abraham Lincoln for mm-hmm. some reason. <laughs> popped in my head, but I, I feel like he was a, a leader during a really challenging time and faced so many challenges in his role as, as president and as a leader and also in his personal life and um, and 
ultimately made, you know, the ultimate sacrifice. But, um, but I would love to learn from him about how, how to lead during challenging times and how to live a principled life. Yes. Uh, despite a lot of stress. <laughs> yes. Can't yeah. go wrong with honesty. But remind me the, the other question, <laughs> the other number you said? Seven. Seven. Okay. This is a little bit of a lighter one, so that's good. If you could choose one superpower to have or any one skill to instantly master, what would it be and why? Oh, wow. I think um, I would choose invisibility mm. as a superpower. <laughs> yeah. That would be nice. That would be I nice. could sneak into any room, anywhere, anytime. <laughs> keys, to, <laughs> keys to the city, some might say. Well, those are two great answers. And we, with that, we have come to the close of another episode of the Virginia Hospital and Healthcare Association's Patients Come First podcast. If you like what you heard, please make sure to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe so you know when new episodes are released. We want to once again thank our guest, Dr. Bergen Nelson, who is a pediatrician at Children's Hospital of Richmond at VCU, for joining us and spending some time with us today. Uh, so, Dr. Nelson, thanks so much. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you so much. Great to be with you.